I want to talk today about sometimes I'm my own worst enemy. This is one in a series of teachings I've been doing on sometimes. But this one I want to talk about is very close to my own heart and in my own life. So most weeks, every one of us faces a number of demands upon our life. Events, relationships, circumstances, situations that demand our time, our attention. But at the same time, there's a personal and private side of life that also needs you to invest some time and some effort into it on a regular basis. That's our inner life that deals with the soul and our spirit realm, the essence of who we really are, not just what we do. But the demands of life can be fairly heavy, consistent, demanding, so that we put our soul aside in order to carry on with the demands of life. We all do it. Life goes on despite our personal struggles and often because of the pace of regular life, we simply neglect our inner life. A friend of mine lost his father on a Wednesday and his company expected him back at the office on Monday. That's hard on the soul. It's hard on our personal inner life. It's even hard on our life with God. So a question arose in my soul the other day. Why is kindness towards my own soul so unfamiliar that it is so easy to ignore my own inner need, the wrinkles in my soul, to just carry on with things, events, demands, expectations, general life? Why is kindness towards my own soul so unfamiliar that it is so easy to ignore all of my own inner heart and soul and spirit needs, the wrinkles that are in my soul, and that I just keep carrying on with things to do other things people need while ignoring my own needs, doing what is expected of me instead of what is needed by me. The world requires us to keep going at such speeds that we end up having only one emotional state towards everything, and that's a general, haggard, hazy condition of on. I'm on for a phone call from Kazakhstan. I'm on for a chat with a leader in Russia. I'm on for writing five blogs this week. I'm on for a phone call with my sister in Montreal. We live life pretty much on, on, automatic pilot without engaging our thoughts and our feelings. Life is so busy, so demanding, that there's little to no margin for anything else, and so the needs of our soul are stuffed into the corner and ignored time and again. We are so busy being kind to everyone else that we fail to show kindness to ourselves. And in that regard, sometimes... I'm my own worst enemy. I came to this realization while reading Paul's letters to the church in Ephesus. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 6 to 8, and I'm going to quote it from the New Living Translation. So we praise God for the glorious grace he has poured out on us who belong to his dear Son. He is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his Son and forgave our sins. He has showered his kindness on us, along with all wisdom and understanding. 
Let me read that again. So we praise God for the glorious grace he has poured out on us who belong to his dear son. He is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave our sins. He has showered his kindness on us along with all wisdom and understanding. God is so rich, not just rich, so rich in kindness And he has showered his kindness on us. Isn't that amazing? And this kindness is so lovely and life-giving. We really need, we really should pause and take time to reflect on it. Ah, but life moves on at this grueling pace and we don't have time to consider his kindness. Kindness, such a simple virtue that it often takes a back seat to more dramatic qualities like bravery and holiness. And yet kindness is such a wonderful thing to receive. Don't you love it when people are kind to you? I sure do. In a world growing increasingly angry and hostile, a little bit of kindness can make your day. You know, you're trying to merge into busy traffic and instead of cutting you off and giving you the finger, the driver ahead pauses and waves you in. You're returning some item to the store, and after waiting your turn behind several customers, you get to the counter only to realize you forgot the receipt. No worries, the clerk says. We can take care of this. Such simple gestures can totally change your day. Kindness is simply wonderful. It is so wonderful, so refreshing. I find it interesting that we are seldom kind to ourselves. And that's why I'm talking about sometimes I am my own worst enemy. And as I've been thinking about all this, I am stuck, struck by the power of offering kindness towards ourselves. I was out in the yard this past summer working to assemble 300 pounds of bricks designed to form a fire pit for the yard. I have the base all level and straight. It's in the center of the yard, well situated. I've read the instructions. I've moved all 300 pounds of bricks from the front of the house to the side yard and then moved them once again to the back of the house, two at a time. I start lining up the bottom row so they fit together tightly and create a circular base for the higher pit. Too wide a circle, leaving gaps. So I move the bricks in closer. Still too wide. So I move all of them again to close the gap. Still too much open space after laying the complete bottom row, so I move them all. Now they are too close, and I can't get the last two in correctly, so I move them all. By this time, I have worked for 90 minutes and achieved nothing, and becoming angry and tired with raw fingertips. And finally, I realized what I needed to do. I needed to walk away. I needed to show myself some kindness. I needed to let go. I needed to sit down and have a strong coffee and calm down. I needed to express some kindness towards myself. That's totally new to me. Even though I've spent 50 plus years telling others how to be gracious to their souls, I've always been hard on my own. So I began to practice simple kindness towards myself, demanding less of myself giving myself permission to stop and not just keep pushing through because it needed to be accomplished, allowing myself some slack. The fruit 
of all of this has been really good on my soul. The ripple effects are good on everyone else around me. Believe me, they are. In a book I was reading the other day, the author was expressing the need to show kindness towards himself. And I was all ears, well, all eyes, as I was reading a book. And he wrote, A friend was in town last week. I felt I ought to invite him to come over. But before I sent the text, I paused and asked Jesus. Not a good call, Jesus said. You're utterly exhausted. And it's true. I was wiped out from a week of meetings and mission and work, and I was about to spend my one and only evening off on further giving had not Jesus intervened. His counsel didn't come as a command. It came in the gentle spirit of kindness. He said, don't do that to yourself. Boy, for me, this was and is a whole new way of living my Christian life, experiencing God's kindness and, as a result, showing kindness to myself. So let's review the scripture again. So we praise God for the glorious grace that he has poured out on us who belong to his dear son. He is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave our sins. He has showered his kindness on us along with all wisdom and understanding. So I began to make some foundational changes. I take one minute pause every hour or so. Just a one-minute pause, just to take a deep breath and say thanks to God for whatever. This is kind. I've begun to make room for more walks outside, regardless of the weather, getting in touch with nature, with my soul. This is kind. I'm unplugging for a short time on a daily basis from the constant barrage of media coming at me. I, I mean, media for which I need for my work and for my ministry. But I unplug it just for a short time each day. This is kind. I'm taking whole segments of time when I ignore the phone and all of its related ways to connect with people. They can wait as I'm busy being kind to myself. This is kind. Taking time both early morning and before bed just to review the condition of my soul. This is kind. I'm doing these things and others because they bring me life. I'm doing these things because they make me more aware of God's presence and peace in my life. I'm doing these things because they heal and strengthen my soul, my spirit. And I'm doing these things because the results are amazing and I would be a fool not to. So what might practicing kindness towards yourself look like these days? Perhaps in the way you talk to yourself, especially when you blow it when you mess something up, when you let a friend down. It might be in the pace that you're currently demanding that your soul keep up with. What about the spoken and unspoken expectations you live by, or maybe just the to-do list that you currently have for yourself? These are four that I'm currently working on, connecting and correcting to show more kindness to myself, to not be so hard on myself, because sometimes I'm my own worst enemy. Listen carefully. Jesus said, love your neighbor as you love yourself. That's Mark chapter 12, verse 31. 
Jesus is implying there's a direct link between one and the other, between loving your neighbor and loving yourself. Loving our neighbor is clearly an essential to the Christian walk. I think we all get that one. But the qualifier, as yourself, is lost on most people. It sounds too much like pop psychology. Sometimes you see on the cover of the magazine at the checkout counter, right next to the articles on brain superfood and how to talk to your pet. Yet Jesus was pretty matter-of-fact about the comparison. Treat yourself so that you can treat people like you treat yourself. Think about it. If we treated our neighbors the way we typically treat ourselves, we would not be great neighbors. So Jesus drives home healthy self-care, being kind to yourself, as tied directly to how we love others. The truth that arises out of that realization, that revelation, is the way you treat your own heart and soul is the way you'll end up treating everyone else's. The way you treat your own heart and soul is the way you'll end up treating everyone else's. You may think that it's not like that. You may be saying, I'm much more patient with my children than I am with myself. And that may be so in the short term. But over time, our lack of patience with ourselves begins to show up in our relationships with others. And believe me, people notice. If you are a neat freak, I guarantee that you show more natural delight when your child straightens up their room to your standards than when they do a less than perfect job. Wow, look at your room. You did a great job. The point is, how you treat yourself as a neat freak is how you will treat others. The point is, how you view yourself is how you will view others. If you're patient with yourself, you'll be patient with others. If you love yourself, you will love others. If you're hard on yourself, you'll be hard on others. If you're constantly judging yourself, finding yourself falling short of your own standards, then you'll be judging others. If you accept yourself for who you are, you will accept others for who they are. If you expect better of yourself, you will expect better of others. So here's a key issue. Most of the time we are completely unaware of how we treat our own heart and soul. Our way with ourselves is simply our norm. We've been doing it so long we don't notice how we treat ourselves. In the same way that we don't notice how much we bite our nails. In the same way that we finish our spouse's sentences for them and don't realize we're doing it. And if you're a Canadian, it's the same as the fact that you end most sentences with A and aren't aware you're doing that. So most of the time we're completely unaware of how we treat our heart and our soul. And that leads to a second key issue. How we treat ourselves has a direct effect on those around us. The father who doesn't allow himself his own emotions communicates so much to his children by that practice alone. Not being kind to himself regarding how he's feeling teaches his children to ignore or bury their feelings. Feelings are something to be ignored and held at arm's length. He further reinforces the lesson when he is visibly awkward and uncomfortable with the emotions of his child. He tries to hurry them through a comforting process. I'm sorry, sweetheart. You'll feel better tomorrow. How about we get some ice cream? 
He's trying to rush the child through their emotions to a place of resolution, teaching them to be as abrupt with their own heart as he is with his heart. Not being kind to himself on the feelings level teaches his children, by example, to not be kind to themselves on an emotional level. So the fact is, the way you treat your heart and soul is the way you'll end up treating everyone else's heart and soul. <clears throat> so we need to learn that God is gentle and that his kindness towards us is gentle and comes as a result of his grace, that he has and is pouring out his kindness on us. So again, Ephesians 1, verses 6 to 8 in the New Living Translation. So we praise God for his glorious grace that he has poured out on us who belong to his dear son. He is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave our sins. He has showered his kindness on us along with all wisdom and understanding. Once we grab a hold of that, once we really learn that God is gentle and that his kindness towards us is gentle, then we'll be kind to ourselves. Then we can take that kindness and let it flow out to others that we relate to, loving them as we love ourselves. Because his kindness flows both into us and through us to others. That's what gentle grace is all about. So let me apply this to our everyday life, where we often face self-imposed, unspoken, unrealistic expectations. I recently received one of those you-must-watch videos forwarded to me. Normally, I don't read, watch, or listen to anything that is forwarded to me. That's just a personal policy. I can't be bothered to waste my time. I don't have the time to waste. But the person who sent it to me has never forwarded anything to me before. And he included an enticing line. You've just got to see this. And it was impressive, no question. A beautifully filmed video of a professional dirt bike racer who had taken up surfing and wanted to combine his two extreme adventures. So he constructed a dirt bike he could actually ride at high speeds on the ocean. I mean, really. The gorgeous project was filmed in Tahiti. The climax of the video is him actually catching and surfing a wave on a motorcycle. I mean, that's impressive. That's even outrageous. In a battle for attention, in the battle for our attention, this one is an easy winner. It's absolutely an intention giver, getter and completely unkind. Why do I say it's completely unkind? Because the cumulative effect of this stuff sets up all sorts of unspoken, maybe even unconscious expectations within us. I don't think we have given any thought to what it does to the soul to live in a culture where that kind of stuff is the daily fare. This stuff shows up in my inbox all the time. I know you get them too. First, it was base jumping, folks leaping off cliffs and tall buildings wearing a parachute or a parasail. That becomes routine, so it's elevated to jumping without parachutes in squirrel suits, flying through the air to find safe landing zones somewhere. Now that's routine, so the video I got the other day was two guys jumping off a mountain with no safe landing zone within miles, flying in squirrel suits through the air and making their landing into the door of an airplane. The incessant upgrade of everything, always pushing the boundaries, extreme this, extreme that. 
It sets up an unspoken set of expectations in our hearts that unless your life is YouTube ready, your life is stupid. Your life is boring. And studies show that anxiety and depression and envy rise in direct proportion to one's consumption of social media. Why? Because we're comparing our lives to what's online. And creeping in is the message that your life is not going to measure up and be wonderful. And if it's ever going to measure up and be wonderful, it has to be fantastic. Men used to get on bended knee to propose to their beloved. Nowadays, you're a loser unless you do it skydiving or kayaking over waterfalls. This phenomena is shaping Christianity, Christian practices, and even more harmful, shaping our spiritual expectations. Modern worship bands not only need to be extraordinarily talented musicians, young and beautiful, but their live events must employ multimedia to keep your attention as well. So now church services compete with concert level staging, lighting, special effects, and films. The terrible unspoken assumption creeping in is this. If you're going to find God, if you're going to have more of God, it's going to come through some amazing experience, something wild and over the top. Or we think that once we have God, the proof will be an over-the-top life, life not ordinary. Because that's not true, of course. Actually unhelpful and immensely unkind to your soul and mind, that's what it is. This expectation actually makes those deeper experiences of God more inaccessible for most of us. We do, more, do need more of God, much more, all of us do. Little sips between long droughts will not sustain us. We need more of God in our bodies, our souls, our relationships, our work, everywhere in our lives. But when you live in a culture of the incessant upgrade of everything, the sensational, it gives the impression that if you're going to have a deeper, richer, amazing experience of God, it's going to have to come in some sensational way. I have some wonderful news for you. Nope, not true. Not even close. Life is built on the dailies. Consider love, friendship, and marriage. Love, friendship, and marriage are not built on skydiving together. Trips to Paris, kayaking the Amazon River. Perhaps once in your life you might do something like that. But the fantastic is not your daily. Love, friendship, and marriage are nurtured in the context of simple daily things like coffee together, hanging out, getting a burrito, holding hands, taking a walk, doing the dishes, reading to one another, just reading different things while together in the same room, sharing your thoughts and feelings, responding to someone when they have shared their thoughts and feelings. It's the little things that build a beautiful life and solid relationships. I know we often tend to live for the big events, the break from the normal, but here's the truth. Life is made up of the daily things. If you want to walk in a half marathon, then you start by walking each day and building up the muscles and the stamina. If you want to bike across Canada and raise money for a worthy cause, you start by getting on your bike every day and riding around your neighborhood. 
If you have a desire and a dream to see the lost come to the Lord by the hundreds as you stand and share in front of a large crowd, you start by sharing with those you meet daily as you live your life normally here and now. You're making it second nature so that when you go to do it, you can handle what you will encounter. And this is how life with God works as well. Small steps daily. It's all in the dailies. I do think that God has amazing things for us, by the way. I really do. I have been part of some extraordinary experiences with God. I have had global adventures with him, but I don't live there. Getting there, just like getting to love others or anything else that's wonderful in this life, it's in the dailies. It's back here at home in the little things we do. That is how we practice kindness to ourselves, in the dailies. So what does it what does extending kindness towards yourself look like right now? How do you talk to yourself? What is your way with yourself? Are you harsh with yourself, unforgiving, demanding? What about the expectations you currently have for getting things done? Is efficiency running your life and causing you to see things a different way? You know, pace your life, the pace of your life is a good barometer. What's the pace you're currently demanding of yourself? Would you ask the same pace of somebody that you love? Is it a pace that Jesus is asking of you? Why don't you ask Jesus? What is the pace you want for me right now, Lord, in my daily life? He might actually have some things he'd like to say to you about that. Not in a negative sense, but in a loving direction towards life, towards abundant life. Kindness towards oneself means not being driven. It means being led by God. Kindness towards oneself means not expecting perfection or even improvement every day. Kindness towards oneself means taking time to be in touch with your feelings and dealing with them as they rise up inside. Maybe just allowing yourself to have feelings. Kindness towards yourself means being gracious about your heart's slow journey towards Jesus. Don't push. Kindness towards oneself means to stop trying to measure up to some ideal that you have of who you should be and accepting yourself for who you are and where you're at right now. Kindness towards oneself should mean stopping comparing yourself to others and just be you. Kindness to oneself may even mean to turn off the news feed on Facebook and to stop spending so much time on YouTube. Kindness to oneself means living in life in such a way that you have both personal space and personal time. God really wants for us to accept his kindness, to receive and live in his kindness, so that we can then come to love ourselves. God wants us to wants to lead us into rest, into beauty, into restoration, into enjoyment, into abundance, and everything else that he has planned for us. So we praise God for his glorious grace that he has poured out on us who belong to his dear son. That's us, you and me. And he is so rich, so rich, so rich in kindness and in grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave our sins. And he has showered his kindness on us and continues to do so, by the way, along with all wisdom and understanding. It's time to receive that kindness 
and begin to treat ourselves with that kindness so that we can love our neighbors as we love ourselves. Thanks for being a part of it. Thanks for listening. And I hope that you'll tune in again next week as we do another teaching in the series sometimes.